What's up, everybody? It's the Everyday Practical Dad podcast. Hope all hope all is well out there. Hope you had a chance to listen to the previous podcasts on a few things, Redskins related, pol- politics related. There's a lot going on this week in the world, in the U.S., both with the Redskins and our current political climate. We have the senator from California, Kamala Harris, jumping into the fray and immediately becoming the media darling. Interesting, right? Reminds me a lot of Barack Obama in 2008. Um, She's a formidable candidate. She's tough as nails. I've said that before. She is tough. She's also very conceited and condescending. Um, So I'm not sure about her likability, honestly, on a wide scale. I can see uh, some folks not liking her. I can actually see a lot of women not liking her. Um, She has an arrogance about her and an entitlement about her. Um, that the way she carries herself, the way she asks questions, the way she talks, there's something about her. I'm not sure she's going to have the broad scale national appeal like Obama did. Obama was a lot more likable. Um, but the media seems to be liking her. So, and not just the media, but the news entertainment media, uh, MSNBC and CNN in particular, um, they are all about her. And, uh, I think that, um, she could, she could pose some interesting threats out there to the Democrats. I think, honestly, the Democrats have a lot better options, a lot better option than Kamala Harris. Um, there's several out there. Um, and I hope that they choose a candidate that um, that can appeal to the wide-scale masses of the U.S., um, especially those moderates, those independents, and those um, more center-of-the-road Republicans that are interested in a change in the White House. And may actually be inclined to vote Democrat this time for maybe the, for the first time in their lives. Uh, I hope the Democrat Party realizes this, uh, and I hope that they put together a candidate out there that um, can appeal to everybody. Kamala Harris will not do that. She's not appealing to to even center of the road Republicans. Um, you know, I think we've seen enough arrogance in the White House, and uh, I think this is not the time to put someone else that's uh, also arrogant and, and conceited and in, 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 at least comes across that way into the White House. Um, she's also just really a novice, to be honest with you. Every position she seems to have gotten, yeah, sure, she worked hard for it, but it's been almost given to her. So I think that, you know, that's where I'm getting the sense of entitlement from her, you know, working her way up from the San Francisco, uh, her San Francisco days into the California Attorney General position uh, into the now the U.S. Senator position replacing Barbara Boxer. Um, she's just been kind of gifted it uh, along the way. And in California, where I'm where I live, if you don't if you're not familiar with California politics, if you're a Democrat in California, you're on the ballot, you're going to win uh, the election just by the fact that it says D next to your name. Um, it's because people in California along the coastline um, that, you know, that live along the San Francisco Bay Area coastline down um, through Monterey, down all the way down to Santa Barbara, and down to LA, they just vote Democrat. And that's where the majority of the people live. So that's who wins the elections. There's been rare exceptions to that, of course, in recent years, really in the last 25 years that you're really talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, who was a Republican that won. He's the last major Republican to win anything in California. And he and he really ran as a Republican on the repeal of the vehicle license fee tax that was imposed by Gray Davis, which he was recalled for. But he didn't govern like a Republican. He, you know, he has a lot of Kennedy influence in him, um, and he has a lot of uh, more, I would say, moderate liberal Republicanism in him. Um, perfect for California. It actually appealed, but um, you know, 
we haven't had a real Republican since probably Pete Wilson in the governor's office in the late 80s. So it's, and before that, you probably have to go back to Reagan. So in the early 70s, so there's not really a case to be made for Republicans in California, unfortunately, right now. California, if you're going to be a Republican in California, you want to win on the ballot, you got to run as a liberal Republican, a moderate Republican at best, and appeal to the minority vote, appeal to the vote in the... Uh, Along in the colleges along the uh, along the coastline of California, to the residents along the coastline of California, the center uh, of the state and the eastern of the state's all red territory. It's a very conservative and Republican. It's just that coastline where the population is, where they swing the vote, they swing the influence, and the Democrats have super majorities in the uh, state assembly and the state legislature, as well as now the governor's office again with Gavin Newsom. So. Going back to what I was saying earlier, Kamala Harris was really gifted the, the U.S. Senate seat by just by virtue of being a Democrat. So um, so everything she's gotten, she's she she's uh, absolutely worked for, no doubt. But she's she's had a relatively easy path and she won't have an easy path to this one. Um, I, and I just hope that the Democratic Party recognizes the opportunity that they don't want to put to put out there a candidate that could potentially reinvigorate the Trump base and even have independent Republicans choose Trump over a poor candidate like Kamala Harris. So uh, if the Democrats really want to take back the White House, they need to put together a better candidate. Um, I, and there's there's several. I'll name one that will probably get some Republican appeal. That's former Vice President and Senator Joe Biden. Uh, I think that he's a very uh, level-headed um, and has the ability to present a centrist approach that Republicans can get behind and his ability to work together across across the aisle and cross party lines. And he's just very well respected out there. Um, he's a candidate that I think that if he were to run, he would probably win in a relative landslide. Um, and, and there's a few others, but he's probably the one that, that with the most name recognition. But uh, Kamala Harris, interesting. Uh, just found that fascinating this week, becoming the media darling already. Um, and uh, Anyway, uh, I want to talk well, one more thing uh, before I get to some Redskins talk, and that's the uh, social media uh, out there with Twitter and uh, Facebook um, and uh, some issues we're seeing. And it goes back to a tweet that I, I just kind of brings it all to a head that Greta Van Sustern, the former MSNBC anchor, former Fox News anchor, former CNN contributor, she's been on all the news entertainment uh, channels, um, in her career, uh, going back to the OJ Simpson trial back in the mid nineties, uh, with CNN, um, she put together a tweet, uh, rec- basically paraphrasing, uh, that, you know, v- viewers on Fox thought she was too liberal or too moderate and, and viewers on MS- MSNBC thought she was too conservative. Um, she's the same person, of course. Right. So, uh, it just goes to show you the audience of that news entertainment, uh, those news entertainment sources, uh, they only see one side, of course. Um, and that's true with social media. And that's the danger with social media. Um, and uh, it goes, it, it's it's becoming more and more apparent and becoming more and more pervasive out there that um, folks are um, not getting full pictures of what's going on in their world because they're only reading from sources they choose to read from. And uh, this whole phenomena of blocking people on Twitter or blocking people on Instagram, blocking people on Facebook, that's because that's shunning them out. That's saying, I don't want to see your point of view. I only want to live in my bubble. Um, And the danger with that, of course, is people don't see what's going on in reality in the world. They only see that's in their bubble. 
I'll give you a good example. Sean Hannity. Guy lives in a bubble, man. He lives in a bubble. And other people that follow him live in a bubble because they live in the Hannity bubble. And they only see what goes on with they and they only think what's true is what comes out of that guy's mouth. Right. So it's crazy, but they don't even choose to hear the other side because they block them. They block them on social media. They don't watch the channel. They don't want to see it. Barack Obama uh, talked about this actually with Letterman on his Netflix show about social media being a danger to society. And of course, the the folks in the religious communities that um, think computers and technology are uh, quote unquote the mark of the beast or or the sign of the devil, they 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 obviously have a lot of issues with it as well. However, with respect to you know common sense everyday dads out there, everyday people out there, social media is relevant in our lives. It's how we stay connected to the world. It's how we stay connected to our family, to our friends. Uh, we, we, you know, it's great. It's, it provides a great sense of connection out there. People that live across the country from you, you can stay up to date with what's going on with them and their lives. It really brings people closer together. So it has a very good purpose at heart. But when people start getting their news from social media, and, and I, I think that what's happening with the news entertainment channels, in particular CNN, MSNBC, MSNBC Fox News, they're becoming an arm of social media, uh, getting people getting their news. And it's not real. It's partial stories. It's per people's point of view. It's not the big picture. You know, in the in the days of broadcast television, when there was only three networks, NBC, ABC and CBS, and you had folks like Walter Cronkite and uh, Tom Brokaw, Pete, uh, Peter Jennings uh, in the early days, uh, Dan Rather, um, these folks reported straight news. They just reported the news. They had very little bias in their reporting, very little, maybe very subtle terminologies, very subtle semantical terms that maybe cued their bias in some way. But they basically were giving you the story. And we don't have that today. We don't have that. Um, I think there's a few folks out there that try to present a down the line, you know, both sides point of view and very much credit to them. I think a few of them might, uh, you might go to someone like Chris Wallace, you know, the son of Mike Wallace, who was a very uh, out, famous and outstanding newsman. Uh, Chris Wallace on Fox News um, is kind of an anomaly there because he does present both sides. He does ask the tough questions. He's uh, the closest thing we have to like a Tim Russert, I think, nowadays. Who unfortunately was, you know, passed away was one of the best. Um, I think to some extent, Brett Baer as well on Fox News prevents presents a fairly independent, down the line, middle of the road point of view and and, and questions both sides. And good for them because they're the anomaly in, in the news business right now. Pretty much everybody else on those channels, including Fox News, are news entertainment folks, and they're not there for delivering straight news. They're, they're not there to question the other side. They're there to present their point of view and argument. And everyone's entitled to that. Of course, this is America. But the danger becomes when people, everyday people, everyday dads out there, think that what they're getting from these channels is reality. It's not reality. It's not at all. And that's dangerous. That's that's what creates problems. That, that's what creates internal conflicts. It's what creates civil disobedience. It's what creates civil up, uprisings and indeed potentially, you know, uh, really, really dangerous outcomes for our society. And I think it's we're headed down that pathway. And I think if we don't have enough voice out there to speak to 
the dangers of social media as far as people assuming that's reality. We need to talk about that. We need to make that present. We need to make the young folks out there who are driven by social media platforms like Snapchat and and various other ones that I probably don't even know of as a 39-year-old dad yet. I think that there's there's not enough awareness out there to say, hey, uh, that's not real because that's one person's view. You need to look at the other side to really get the fair and balanced uh, take on such uh, situations. And I think credit to the the Gen Z and and to the younger millennial folks that are out there, the people born in the in the ni- early nineties, um, not the older millennials, not the not the early eighties millennials, and certainly not the Gen Xers like me. But credit to the Gen Z and the and the early, or excuse me, the the younger millennials out there, they have a natural instinct to be skeptical and question, and that's healthy. That's a good thing. Um, because they need to question, they need to not assume. And I think that, you know, what we're seeing now is the end of the baby boomer generation into the Gen X generation. Uh, and I'm one of the younger Gen Xers, uh, as I was born late in the Gen X period. They're the people that are, I don't want to call them the sheep, but they're the people that go along with the, go along for the get along, right? They, they, they keep up with the Joneses. They, they follow, uh, their friends and they see what they do, so they do it. And and there's a lot of that. They're, the newer, younger generations are absolutely more skeptical, and uh, they they have this thought process of you're not entitled to anything, as far as respect is concerned, as far as truth is concerned. They do feel like they're entitled to goods and services. I've noticed, but not necessarily to believe what you're saying, which is fascinating to me. Uh, so it's actually a healthy thing in the long run. Just got to, just got to, they got to understand that, you know, people were born with, with respect and they need to understand that they, people deserve respect. But at the same time, they, they, the, the, the people that are my age and older, you know, 40, almost 40 and up could really learn something from that, from that skepticism and not blocking out the other side. And really looking at things from a common sense point of view. And there's a lot of that need in politics today. Common sense is just gone and it needs to be brought back and social media is not doing it any justice. So, um, so if you're on social media, follow people that you don't believe in, that you don't believe. And and just so you know what's going on out there, it really helps formulate your point of view, be independent and think about it. No matter if you identify yourself as a Democrat or a Republican or Libertarian or Green Party or whatever you think you are, just think about it from an independent point of view. It will help. You'll have a better picture of the world. Anyway, some Redskins tough stuff to get to. Um, reported out there that Alex Smith uh, will likely not be available for the 2019 season. It's a bit of a Captain Obvious statement, of course. We, we've seen that. We've we've all thought that. It's been our hunch for since the honestly the day he went down. Since the day Joe Theismann sent out that tweet that his injury was just like his own. Scary. Hope he's okay. Seems to be doing better. Seems like he's got a long road to recovery. Seems like his career may be over. May not. May not. But. Redskins got to go in a new direction, and there's a lot of talk about there. What's that new direction? And of course, those in the cynical Redskins media. If you didn't listen to my last podcast, go back and listen to that uh, that rant I did on on the cynicism that's pervasive in the Redskins media group right now. It's just terrible. It's really hard to listen to. It's getting better this week, but um, 
but uh, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous. So um, it, it's, it's, I think these media folks think that they can run the team better than Dan Snyder. So they have to give their opinion on it and say, this is what I would do, or this is what they should do, but they don't know anything. So um, they, they're not there, you know, uh, you know, and, and again, from a common sense perspective, no, Dan Snyder has done absolutely nothing for this team as far as getting them to the Super Bowl. Nothing. He's absolutely done nothing. That's true because they have, because they haven't got there. They haven't got to the Super Bowl. They haven't even got it past the second round of the playoffs under Dan Snyder. Much less even been to the, you can count on one hand how many times they've been to the playoffs. All under Dan Snyder's watch, before Bruce Allen and after Bruce Allen. So, so I think the media target uh, has been wrongfully at Bruce Allen when it really should be at Dan Snyder. Um, and I talked about that on the last podcast. So go back and listen to that one. It's a good one, but, and it's a short one, so it won't take you too much time. But uh, regarding the situation at quarterback, uh, not a great draft for the quarterback position, it appears, although there's always diamonds in the rough that, that turn up. And I mean, look at Tom Brady, six round pick, right? You never know, right? There could be a diamond in the rough we'd have, we've never even heard of yet. We don't know who it is yet. Um, they're going to be looking at that. And I think that they should be looking at that. Um, and all options should be on the table. Um, I hear this talk about Ryan Tannehill as a trade target. With what cap money is that going to happen? Um, and then I see some out there. I saw a couple of tweets today uh, about the Ryan Tannehill question. And it was almost like they were not even considering the trade uh, as far as the cap space. They were considering the trade on why would we? why would they trade for that guy? It's like, come on. And this was a Redskins media person. And it's like, what are you doing? Think about it. They can't afford the guy. They're not going to trade for him. How can they trade for him without cutting and taking a massive cap hit on other players, including potentially Alex Smith? What are you going to do? You're going to trade for Ryan Tannehill? Come on. Joe Flacco? Come on. Any big name quarterback, they're not going to get. Any second tier quarterback, they're not going to get because they can't afford him. They got no cap space. So let's not even talk about that as an option. And talk and question and Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder about how they don't know what they're doing because they're trying to get that guy. You don't know anything. Like, come on, think about it. So it's not about the cap or excuse me. It's not about the uh, the player. It's about the cap and it's about the money they have available and what's smart for the future. I think obviously they've got a tough situation in 2019. I've already heard the doom and gloom out there from many in the Redskins media saying, oh, it looks like it's going to be another 10 or 11 loss season next year. How the heck do you know? I mean, this, this league, this, this team and this league changes week to week, every single year. And we don't know. They could be a 15-win team next year with a little luck. You never know. What if they draft a star player at 15 and trade up in the draft to get another star player? And then they re-sign some of their star players. And then they, and they, they sign a couple of star free agents. And all of a sudden, they're at 14 or 15 wins. Who the heck knows? Anything can happen. So the pessimism and doom and gloom is a little difficult to listen to. Uh, the quarterback position is tough. I get it. They got to figure out something. They got to figure out something. And maybe it is running with Colt McCoy and getting some star players and then running. And maybe it's drafting a young quarterback and that person starts in 2020 and then they release Alex Smith because he can't play. Who knows how it's going to play out? But the folks in the Redskins media continue their cynical talk and they continue their negative uh, pessimism. And it's just, it's just groaning. It's just, oh, 
whew, Redskins fans are getting tired of it. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a Redskins fan and I'm getting tired of it. You know, it's we need to stop being so cynical and negative about the team that we supposedly love and start figuring out how to look at things a little more glass half full, a little more oppor- op- little more opportunity out there than we're seeing. It's just true. We need to think about it differently. Um, Dan Snyder ain't selling the team. And if you want him to sell the team, how are you going to make him do it? Like, it doesn't matter who works for the team. It doesn't matter. It's all still Dan Snyder. And he decides what goes on. Not Bruce Allen, not Jay Gruden, not Doug Williams. It's one guy, one man. So, um, and it looks like that hashtag fire Bruce Allen nonsense is kind of slowing down a little bit finally, uh, which is a good thing. It means nothing anyway. So what's the point? Um, you know, I think it's one of those where the only thing that's really going to affect change with the team, as far as the leadership is concerned is fans are going to have to boycott the games, um, and not go to the games, which means that the opposing team fans, if they're especially NFC East fans will go to the game. So the ticket, the stadium is still going to have good attendance because people are going to buy the tickets. There's not going to be the right t- fans buying the tickets. So Dan Snyder's not going to lose any money there, right? They're still going to buy the beers and the, and the hot dogs and the French fries and, and you know, whatever else they sell on FedEx field. So he's not going to lose much money in concessions. Just, it's just a matter of what's, what's reality. We have to face reality with, with Dan Snyder. And that's, you know, accepting him to some extent like we have and understanding that he, nothing's going to change with him. And if that means you don't want to be a fan of the team anymore, that's your, your decision. But that's silly. It's still the Redskins. It's still the team we all love. Get behind him. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out and be more optimistic. Okay? I think that's the, that's the key message with the Redskins right now. It's just terrible listening to some of these folks. I can't, I had to stop listening to some of them on their podcasts and, and following them on Twitter. I just, sometimes I just have to put it back. And I had some Twitter exchanges last week under the EPD um, podcast uh, on my Twitter handle out there. Um, and you'll see them. I'm not going to call it any names, but you'll see. Um, and they just clearly are, they call us fans delusional, but they're the delusional ones, unfortunately. They're just stuck in the delusion of negativity and they don't see outside it because they're all inbred, these media folks. They're all, and I don't mean physically inbred. I mean, their 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 ideologies are inbred with each other because they all talk to each other. So they all say the same thing <laughs> with a few exceptions. But um, I think it's important to to recognize that fans want want to root for this team. They do. The good fans, the real fans, the true fans, not the passerby fans that are negative and and just like to make fun of players that don't play well, even though they couldn't do anything that these players are doing. You know, those kinds of folks. We don't need those folks. So let's understand that the Redskins are still an NFL proud franchise and that we need to come together as a fan base and understand that the media is not doing us much of a service because they're feeding us a lot of negative crap and... Follow the folks that don't feed us the negative crap. Follow the folks that give us the true story down the line, like Walter Cronkite did on the news, like Peter Jennings, and 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 follow those folks. Give them the credit, and let's come together and, and root for this team in 2019. Anything's possible. Lots to lots to be determined yet. That's all for today, folks. Thank you so much. Have a great day.